Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole, and I really hope you're enjoying the smooth, high-quality sound of my voice right now, because bad news, it's not going to be this way for the rest of the episode. Um, I have somehow managed to make nearly 100 podcast episodes without truly learning how podcasting audio functions, and when things go wrong, I have a hard time riding the ship again. So, so I'm sorry to say that um, during the episode that you're about to listen to, there was a technical glitch um, that I didn't catch when it was happening. So my guest's audio is perfectly fine. Mine, however, is quite low quality and a bit cringy to listen to. But thankfully for us all, this is not an episode where I spoke a lot. So I really hope you you push through and listen to this one because it's all about Nuremberg, which is a wonderful, wonderful place. And I have a wonderful, wonderful guest. Her name is Shannon. She is from the States and she lives in Nuremberg, has for several years now. And she has so many great tips of what people should see, do, eat, drink, etc. in Nuremberg and the area. If you're on Instagram, you may know Shannon as Church Bells and Bicycles. And if you guys are listening to this episode and desperate for a visual to put to all the wonderful places she's talking about, she has actually made a highlight with a bunch of her photos from around town and the different spots that she mentioned. So if you go to her Instagram, you'll see that right away. Now, I was actually in Nuremberg for the first time about a month ago, and man, was I charmed. This place... This place is just wonderful. And one thing that made it extra special for me was the people because gosh darn it, so many of you guys live in Nuremberg and I got to meet several of my online friends in real life when I was there. So first off, shout out to Sean, the host of my rival podcast, The Germany Experience. We were able to meet up in real life. A big shout out to my friend Gio, who's been a guest on my show and now hosts her own podcast called Life's a Trip. Gio actually hosted me and she was able to get a day off and show me around this wonderful town. It was so much fun to explore with her. And then I got to meet Summer. You may know her online as Summer Outside. She was also a guest once on the show. And despite those long list of names, there are still several people who I would have loved to meet in real life, but I just didn't have the time for. So I I definitely have to go back to Nuremberg for all of the reasons that you'll hear in this episode, as well as to meet even more of you wonderful folks out there. One of the people I actually didn't get to meet yet is today's guest, Shannon. But with her tips from this episode, I will be very excited to head back to Nuremberg. We're going to meet up in your favorite cafe, Shannon. We're going to people watch, take photos. It's going to be great. (laughs) You guys probably want to know which cafe I'm referencing, and I will not hold us back any further. (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and enjoy the episode. My name is Shannon Breezy Eisen. I am originally from the Washington, D.C. area, although I was also raised in East Tennessee. I've lived in Wisconsin. I've lived in South Carolina. Um, we've lived in Utah. And then we also I also went back to Maryland between my two stints in Germany. I lived in Nuremberg, Germany from uh, the last few days of 2009 until uh, 2013. With my husband and my children, we went back to Maryland, where we lived for four years. 
And then we returned to, um, I actually live in Erlangen, which is about 15 minutes north of Nuremberg. And I've lived here since the summer of 2017. So three years now. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. So how do you count it then? Do you do you count plus the four years before or do you start from when you move the second time? Well, I guess it depends how much patience people have for my very long convoluted German story. So <laughs> the quick answer is three years, <laughs> particularly when I'm apologizing for my very poor German. <laughs> it's easier to say three years, but um, yeah, it just depends on, on the context of the situation. But um, yeah, I, I count it all because it's all been such an interesting ride and such a couple fantastic chapters in my life, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to not get distracted and just ask you a bunch of questions about what it was like being somewhere, leaving and coming back because that in and of itself is really interesting. But we're here to talk about the place that you that you came to and left and came back to. <laughs> and that is Nuremberg or slash this whole sort of Nuremberg, Fort, Erlangen area. Um, so what brought you to this area initially and what did you think when you first got here? Was it, was it love at first sight? Um, okay, right. So this area would be, you could call it Franconia. That's the part of Bavaria that we're in right now, um, Erlangen and Nuremberg. So when I came at the end of 2009, uh, it was a few days before New Year's Day. So <laughs> we were introduced to a German New Year's Eve really, really quickly with the fireworks almost immediately, but it, it wasn't love at first sight, really. I think it takes about a year or a year and a half to get used to living in another country. And I was probably pretty unprepared for living in another country, although it had always been a dream of mine. Um, it just takes it just takes a while, right, to, to get used to um, new customs and to kind of how you do things. And of course, I didn't speak a word of German when I arrived. So it, it really took me a while. Um, that being said, um, I had mostly lived my life in the suburbs of America. So what I did really enjoy was um, going into Nuremberg, it was nice just to walk around the city because it is a beautiful city. Um, and it was it was nice to live next to a city. We lived about 10 minutes from the uh, the Altstadt, from the city center. So it was really accessible pretty much immediately. You know, we would spend our Saturdays or Sundays taking walks into the city and just exploring all the different corners of Nuremberg. And there's lots to explore. Yeah, for sure. I mean, did you guys move over for a job? Initially? Yes. Okay, right. So we moved initially for my husband's job. Um, he worked for a, a company that was slightly south of Nuremberg in a beautiful little town called Bindelstein, a really lovely little village to explore as well. His job had brought us here the first time. And then we came back um, because we wanted to come back. And we jumped through a lot of hoops in order to arrange our life so that we could come back here because we just love the way of life. Wow. So although it was not an initial love at first sight, it really it got you. <laughs> it did. It really did. Um, I think once you uh, kind of figure out your way here, um, I, I always say I grew a whole different set of muscles that I didn't know I had. I developed myself in other ways. And I really enjoyed using those skills. And so I just realized what a good quality of life I had here. And I have three children and it's a, such a safe place to live and they can be so independent here. And I really liked seeing my children develop those skills as well. Yeah. So let's say that someone's never, ever heard of Nuremberg before. 
What are three things that they should know right off the bat initially? Well, if you've never heard of Nuremberg before, one of the most famous things about Nuremberg is the Chris Kindle Markt that's in Nuremberg, the Christmas market that takes place in the four weeks before Christmas. Nuremberg is a very famous Christmas market. It's one of the bigger ones. So German children are visited not by Santa Claus, but by the Christkind. And it's a Christmas angel that comes and delivers the presents on Christmas Eve. And every year, the Christkind, a white angel with glowing blonde hair, opens the Christmas market in Nuremberg by reading a proclamation. And she's at the top of, there's a balcony that comes out uh, from the church, one of the big churches in Nuremberg. And she stands up there and opens the Christmas market by reading a proclamation. So that is a, a very famous attribute about Nuremberg. There's maybe six long rows of stalls that sell Christmas toys and chocolates and all kinds of things. And of course, glue vine. Can't forget about the glue vine, right? Another thing would be Nuremberg has lots of World War II history that took place in Nuremberg. Um, so lots of the propaganda films that Hitler films took place in Nuremberg on the rally grounds that are still right in Nuremberg. You can have a look at them if you were so interested in World War II history. And then of course, after the war, the Nuremberg trials were held here in Nuremberg at the Palace of Justice, which you can also tour. The third thing would be that there is lots of medieval history in Nuremberg. There's a large castle up on the hill that belonged to the emperor. There's lots of art from Nuremberg, from the German Renaissance. There's a couple of famous artists and composers from Nuremberg. There's lots to see, lots of different kinds of, you know, art and music and history and, of course, Christmas. This is fun timing for us to be recording this because I actually just was in Nuremberg for maybe two or three days a couple of weeks ago and went in totally blind and was thinking when I got back, oh, should have done an episode first. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know, sometimes it's great to go into something blind and then you can experience it and then kind of decide to go back and 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 really pursue the things that you found interesting as well. Uh, yeah, I definitely left with the feeling that I wanted to come back and, and dive deeper into them. Now I'm curious now, but I, I think I still remember all the things that I did when I was in Nuremberg. And the question for you then is, what would you recommend for people if they had a couple days or a weekend in town? So if you're coming from the train station, and quite honestly, the train station is one of the most beautiful buildings in Nuremberg. And you walk out of this building and you right in front of you, you can see the city wall. So often when we have visitors and if we come from the train station or if we park over there, the first place we'll go is a little area called the, the Hanbergshof. And it's this little area right inside one of the gates into the city where there's artists selling like handmade goods and things like leather. And you can buy all kinds of beautiful Christmas ornaments, beer decals, the things that go on top of your beer stein to keep the bees out, which is, would be a really handy thing to have at this time of the year. That's often a, a good place to start. And then if you continue on through that street or down that street, it will take you across the whole city. You can explore different churches to the Lorenzo Kirche. It's the, one of the big churches right Right in the main square. And there's lots of uh, German Renaissance art inside this church. And it's just beautiful on the inside. And then if you were to continue down that same street, you would enter the Hauptmarkt, which is where the Christmas market is. And that's right in front of the Frauenkirche, the Church of Our Lady. 
And that's also a beautiful street. And then from there, you can continue and walk straight up to the castle. I We walk up there often because it's a great place for visitors to get a view of the city. You have to walk up a very steep hill. I've actually not ever taken the tour on the inside of the castle, but I know that they have them. I always have my camera with me. I take lots and lots of photos. I always just enjoy walking around and taking different photos. So that's where I would start. That's a good half day walk right there. Other things that you could do after being at the castle is you can walk down and cross the, um, so Nuremberg, you know, 500 years ago had its own executioner. And there's a bridge called the Executioner's Bridge, which is where he would take uh, the person on their very last walk before um, <laughs> before he hung them, I suppose. And yeah, there's some, <laughs> there's some really dark history. Um, and I believe this is also where there's a torture museum where they've got different methods and tools of torture that were used. There's a torture museum. There is. Oh my goodness. There is. And let me tell you the funny thing is, is that I believe my daughter was in grade four when uh, her class visited this torture museum. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> You could talk that up to something that would not happen in the States, right? So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of kind of grisly things to explore. I didn't know it was such a spooky spot. I'm kind of into it. That's kind of it interesting. Is, it is. And they have, um, I think it's called like the Night Watchman's Tour that you can take at night with a tour guide who's dressed in like full costume. And I believe he kind of car- he carries around a, a torch, like a real torch of fire to take people on some of these tours. But I believe the tours are, I, I don't know that they have an English tour. So if you speak good German, that might be something to look into. I want to come back at Halloween and go and do all the spooky things. <laughs> Nuremberg has alleyways and tunnels under the city where they would store the beer. So you can take a, a tour, kind of learn about the beer storage, the practices, I guess, that have been going on for hundreds of years as well. But again, the tour is in German. And speaking of the beer, so you're in Bavaria. And so that's a lot of Weizen beer, wheat beer, and Helles, right? Yes. There's lots of different beer choices here. You know, I'm not German, so I don't want to speak out of turn. But Franconians really consider themselves Franconian first and not Bavarian. So there's, I would say, a good-natured rivalry, uh, but I don't know that it's all that good-natured. I think Franconians are pretty um, staunch about their role as Franconians before Bavaria. So they have their own flag, and that's the flag that you'll see before you see a Bavarian flag. So yeah, there's hundreds and hundreds of breweries in this area. And very famous. This is one of the few things that I did know about Nuremberg before I went there. The sausages. They're so freaking good. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you learn Franconian for what you're supposed to ask for when you order your sausages in Nuremberg? I did not. It's called a dry Vegla. I think a real Franconian would say Vegla. It's dry Vegla. So it's three sausages in this roll, and it is. They're delicious. You can, particularly at Christmas market season, you can just kind of smell them all over the city. Nuremberg-style sausages, they sell in all the grocery stores around Germany, or at least that I've experienced so far. And I love getting them because they taste kind of like American breakfast sausages. But having them in Nuremberg, oh man, the way that they grill them, or I don't know what it was... It was so delicious. I could have eaten like 20. <laughs> they are good. It's one of those things that you, you're not hungry, but you have to have one and you realize how good they taste. I can't think of many trips that we take into town without somebody in my family getting one for sure. So, or maybe a couple actually. So yeah, dry and Bekla is what you would order in Nuremberg. Now, if, even if you go 10 or 15 minutes up where I am right now, you would not 
say it that way to order it up here. So that's a, a uniquely Nuremberg way to to order that. Is there is there a specific restaurant or stand that's family's favorite or are they all good? I think they're all good. I, they advertise mostly the same. So I think we've probably sampled most of them around town and I think they're pretty tasty wherever you get them. Now we do have a specific recommendation for pretzels. You must visit the, the Bretzenkolb. Those are different kiosks that are around Nuremberg and they absolutely have the very best pretzels. They split them down the center and you can get them with butter or cream cheese or ham. You can almost get anything you want on a pretzel, and they are absolutely delicious. And what I thought was interesting, too, about the pretzels there, they're not chunky salt on top, but the salt powder kind of a thing. Yeah, right. You're right about that. I think I'm so partial to Nuremberg pretzels that I don't necessarily look for them in more other places. But yes, you're absolutely right. It, it, it's not the big chunks of salt that we would see on a on a pretzel in the states and they're not they're not soft like american pretzels they're a little bit harder which is great because you can use them to actually make that sandwich with the cheese and the ham yeah yeah because other parts of germany the pretzels i know are the same shape but and salt is different and yeah i've had butter in them but that's about it it's not so common i think elsewhere to really make it a sandwich and just stuff it full of (laughs) delicious things. So it's the Bretzenkolb and you, they've got like multiple kiosks around town. And I think now they even have a like a um, like a standing restaurant someplace too, if I remember correctly. So definitely the best place to get a pretzel in Nuremberg. Are there other typical foods for the area or food that's just particularly good that people should know about and seek out when they visit? Absolutely. So if you like gingerbread, Nuremberg has, it's called Leibkuchen, gingerbread cookies or cake. And this is very particular to Nuremberg as well. Um, And it's something that I think is really commonly eaten around Christmas time. And I do believe that when we were here the first time, I saw it mostly at Christmas, but now I feel like you can get it any time of the year. So that would be something to look for as well. I'm already sold. I have to come back for Christmas time if if that's allowed this year and if not in the next year. (laughs) I hope so. So many things have just not happened or gone according to plan. And I, I hope that there's some way that the Christmas market can take place because quite honestly, it is one of my favorite times here. And it's something that when we were back in the States, I really missed. There's just nothing like an authentic German Christmas market. And Nuremberg's is big and it's it can be very crowded, but it's absolutely worth seeing. And if you know where to look, there's away from the main markets, there's um, a couple other little places that you can go that are, they're still crowded, but um, where you can, you don't have to walk and you can kind of stand with a group of friends and it's just cozy and delightful. In Nuremberg, and I think this might be around different parts of Germany as well, definitely in Bavaria, but there's a Feuerzangerbole and that's like a glue vine, but it's a little bit stronger. It, Nuremberg boasts the biggest one in uh, the world, actually, I believe is the tagline and it's wow. the biggest in the world. It's, it's right down by the river and off the, the main square. And you can easily stand there down there with a group of friends and treat yourself to some very, very alcoholic uh, beverages. And <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> it's very warm in the cold weather. And it's just a delightful place to be. I, I was in Nuremberg in what, mid Mid, no, mid-July, so summer. Definitely pretty warm weather, all of that. But I was walking around just thinking, this has got to be the coziest, cutest place in winter. Some places just call out to you a certain season, you know, and maybe it's because I knew about Christmas markets. But, oh, man, the, the, something about the buildings and the way everything's set up, 
I just, I want to be, I want to be there with a big old jacket and a glue vine mm-hmm. in hand. Yeah, the way they put the lights up and, you know, there's been a couple of winters I've been here where there's been snow on the ground and they have horse-drawn oh. carriages and it is, it is like the quintessential European picture. See men dressed up with top hats that with the horses and um taking people around on carriage rides it really is lovely it's exactly what you think of when you think of europe in in the winter time there were there were two other little moments for me in nuremberg that i really loved one of them was just doing almost exactly that walk that you described and then we took this one turn and all of a sudden i was faced with the picture the image that i'd done a, a thousand piece puzzle of not so long ago and i remember that that was in nuremberg but i i hadn't consciously thought about it but i think it's called fisher or it's a bridge with a wood paneled house right on the river there's these big draping trees it's just a beautiful sight and for me that was a pretty magical moment just something that you've looked at in some ways dreamed about or it's, a, it's this imagination in your head and then you turn a corner and you're like Oh, there it is. It's real. You know the bridge I'm describing? Yes, I saw your picture. I saw your picture on Instagram. That's a really lovely walk back there. It's near the Trottelmacht. There's some really lovely little places to get um, to get a glass of wine or a coffee. Yeah, the, the other thing that I wanted to mention, um, you touched on it earlier, the, the Dokumentation Centrum, so like the Documentation mm-hmm. Centrum, which is on the fairgrounds from the Nazi party, basically. The grounds are giant, so I think you can go to the grounds kind of whenever um, and just look around. But there's also one of the remaining buildings from during the Second World War and, and Hitler's rise to power and all that. They renovated it into a museum about the Second World War and about the Holocaust and about the trials as mm-hmm. well. And that was one thing that I wanted to make sure that I, I did when I was in town. And I thought they did it really, really well. And that's also something that, you know, I was there a couple weeks ago. And in the, you know, Corona times going to that museum, something that you can do. Yeah, you just throw the mask on, you have to wear that for the time that you're there. But otherwise, you can still experience the museum. And I think it's, of course, there's a lot of different World War Two museums and monuments and whatnot across Germany. But I, from my experience, this one offered something different that I, I hadn't really experienced elsewhere. Just Nuremberg has such an important history in connection to Hitler and to his rise in power and learning about that while standing right there is just something that it's really impactful. They did a really good job putting the museum together. I think what makes it a little bit different is the fact that they really focused a lot on the psychology and the propaganda that was used in Nuremberg. And really, that was how Nuremberg was used, right? It was used to make these films that were used in propaganda. It's been a while since I've been to that museum, but the museum is very, very well done. And when you go in, of course, you can get a headset that you can switch into English or any other language. I was really impressed with how it focused on the psychology and the propaganda and how they bent public opinion to their will, basically. So that's the real interesting part for me is why people do the things they do. And the museum was really good at kind of educating me on that. So yes, the museum stands at the edge of the Nazi party rally grounds. And those are all still there. There's a massive gray structure where Hitler did a lot of his speeches. And when you see it, when you see it in person, 
you realize that you've seen this structure in old newsreels and things, and it becomes really clear that this was a real place. And this is, um, it's still standing and it's kind of crumbling. It's not been well maintained, but you can absolutely climb up these steps and stand right, right there and look out onto the massive grounds where they would have these parades and things. And it's very powerful to to stand there and, and understand that so much history took place right in that particular area. I highly recommend that. And I think for me, at least, I, I'd heard of the Nuremberg Trials, and I knew the connection with that. But I really didn't know about the connection that the party had to Nuremberg specifically, and the grounds that they built there, and the days-long fairs that they had there, people coming from all over the country to attend. And it really, yeah, exactly what you're saying. It, it, it helps you understand how that power that rise to power happened and how the propaganda functioned and what that looked like. Right. And that is why they held the trials in Nuremberg because Nuremberg had such, it was such a symbolic place for the Nazi party. The palace of justice is slightly, uh, it's not in the Altstadt in the, in the old uh, city center. It's a, it's, I don't know, maybe a kilometer outside. And I believe, and I've actually not ever visited there. I've driven past it, but I haven't been inside. And I believe that the, the courtrooms that they've um, maintained how they appeared back when they did the trials. So that's also a place that, that people could visit. So before we step away from Nuremberg and into wider Franconia, is there anything else that we should know about the city itself? Okay, there's a couple of beer gardens I wanted to mention. Um, often people are really uh, interested in beer halls. And Nuremberg has uh, a beer hall called Bafusa. Um, that's meant to get, you have to walk down into it. It's in the cellar. Um, from one of the main streets in Nuremberg. So it's called Bar Fusa. And if you want that kind of beer hall experience, that would be a good place to go. There is a beer garden near that executioner's bridge called the Kettensteg. And it's a um, it's a beer garden that's located right next to a chain bridge. And that's what Kettensteg is. And it's just very picturesque and beautiful next to the bridge, next to the river. And it's a really enjoyable place to knock back a half liter or more. <laughs> One of my favorite places in Nuremberg is called the Wanderer. It's um, a little cafe that's located right by the castle in Albert Durer Platz. Albert Durer was a famous artist from Nuremberg in, I believe, the early 1500s. And so his house is still there in a place that you could visit as well if you're interested in his art. But there's a beautiful cafe that's right up in this slots. And it is a great place to sit and people watch. So not every time, but almost every time we go to Nuremberg, we sit up there and just sit there and have a cold drink or a warm drink, depending on the season, and just sit there and watch people because it's just a delightful place to kind of to see the, the crossroads of Nuremberg. Okay, so we've, we've walked, we've eaten... What is it? Dry and dry and dry Vecla. We've had that. We we've done it all in Nuremberg, and now there's all of Franconia to see. Um, we've already mentioned a couple places in the area, but what kind of day trips can one take? From Nuremberg. Right now is a great time to visit the Frankische Schweiz, so the Franconian Switzerland. It's an area that I think mountains is too strong of a word. So maybe big hills or very tiny mountains, which way you want to look at it. So there's all kinds of hiking that you can do um, up there. And this area has um, 
I don't know how many, I think somewhere in the hundreds of breweries in this area. So there's lots and lots of hiking trips that you can do while stopping at different restaurants and, and breweries along the way. I just did one a few weeks ago called the Fumpsaidla um, hike, where there's five different stops along the way. And I think it was about 20 kilometers that we did that day, just walking around. So it's a lovely way to um, to see the area, to get in some nature. The whole area is filled with different hikes that you can do, like that one. There's a summer rodelbahn in a little town called Pottenstein that's up there, and that's very um, that's a it's a favorite place for kids. It was a favorite place for my kids when they were younger. That's a great day trip that you could do from Nuremberg. And I believe I, I believe they have canoeing and some rafting up there as well. Although I have not done that. You can also very easily visit this the small city of Bamberg. It's about forty five minutes away, um, and it's an, another beautiful little city right on the river. You know, easily you can visit Munich for the day from Nuremberg. It's an easy train ride or an easy drive right from Nuremberg to go to Munich. Another one would be uh, Rotenburg, also famous for their Christmas items. So it's kind of a town where all year around you can see Christmas displays and things. Sensing a wintry trip coming, <laughs> coming many people's ways. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you can get off the beaten path, even, even pretty close to Nuremberg and visit lots of little villages around. And all of these little villages have their own Christmas markets, which, you know, sometimes you want the big bustling Christmas market, but also some of the, the little villages around have very, very beautiful, just very quaint little um, Christmas markets that they have in their towns. And they are equally worth visiting. I have to say with Nuremberg, one of the things I thought was so cool is that it's not just Nuremberg, it is also Fort and Erlangen. These cities are all very well connected through public transit. So even talking about one city, you're actually talking about three. Yeah. And then on top of that, you're just, I mean, this is probably true of most places in, in Europe and in Germany, definitely. But being there as a non-Nuremberger, <laughs> I was looking at the map like, wow, you can just go so many places that for me are an extra trip you know if you go in a anywhere in a one to two hour radius there's just so much to see and do there is yeah i Fert actually has a, a great beer that's specifically from Fert that's called the gruner beer um and so there's that's a really popular beer around here they also have a fantastic um festival a michaelmas uh, festival in the fall um and that lasts i think it lasts for about a week and that's just a like a fun beer fest to go to uh, right there right at the beginning of fall. So that's a wonderful celebration. Erlangen is a university town. There's also um, a couple of big companies that are located here, but I would be absolutely amiss and derelict in my responsibilities if I did not mention um, the, the big beer fest that Erlangen has every year called the Bag Kirfai. Um, and this is a controversial statement, but I'm going to I'm going to go with it anyway. And I'm going to tell you it's the best beer fest in Germany. Better than Oktoberfest. Yes. What? Yes. It's a, it's a wonderful beer fest. It goes on for 12 days, maybe 11 or 12 days. And it's held um, on the side of a mountain. So there's trees and lights and it's just a beautiful beautiful beer fest. People in Erlangen in this area, call, you know, the, it's the best time of the year. It's the Berg. The Berg is calling and I must go. That's what many of the signs say. Of course, it was such a disappointment not to not to be able to have it this year, but it takes place. Usually it takes place in May. 
we've got the Berg in May. We've got the beer festival in Port. You said was in fall, I think, right? Yes. Winter market and Christmas. Yes. There is a fest around here. And that's the great thing about Bavaria and Franconia. There's almost always some kind of fest or some kind of some kind of party that's being had someplace. And I'm not sure how this is compared to the rest of Germany, but most churches celebrate a Kerva or a Kirchwei, which is the celebration of the consecration of the church. And it's just these traditional beer fests that you think about when you think of Germany, right? So every weekend, there's almost always something that you can do. And we've we've definitely given a good pitch for visiting in winter. Would you say that that's the best season to visit? Or do you have a different season that's your personal favorite? You know, I really like them all, quite honest. The only downtime, really, I would say is probably that January and February when it's kind of right there in the in the dead of winter. But you know, it's either foshing or beer fest time or Christmas market time. There's there's always something to do. And I, I tend to enjoy them all. I love doing this series because so many people have ended up really loving where they live. And you can just hear it in the, the way you're talking about it. Like there's really not a bad time to be there. You're just you love it all. And that just makes me so happy to hear. It <laughs> makes me so eager to come back. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I um I always feel so lucky to be where I am. You know, my family we worked really hard to get here the second time and to kind of reintroduce our kids to this culture. And I'm always very, very thankful and happy to get to live here. And now for the very selfish question that I always ask in these are there any cool libraries or bookstores? <laughs> I saw your question and I know why you asked it. Um, <laughs> I don't have a good answer to this question. I usually end up going to Talia, which is a chain bookstore because they've got a, a big English section. So I, I just have to ask them. I'm remiss if I don't ask. A big thing I do when I travel is I always try to stop by the public library just to see what it's like. Oh, I guess actually I could plug something here. When I was in town, I stopped by the Deutsche Amerikanisches. Uh, I think they're institute. Yes. Um, so the German American yes. Institute, the DAI in Nuremberg, uh-huh. and they actually have a what I would consider fairly large English and American specifically um, language library. So they have magazines, tons of books that you can check out. And they also have a bunch of cultural events and things like that. But I just I was really impressed when I went in and saw the size of the library. You know, there's these institutes throughout Germany and they all vary in size but none of them are huge but they had a decent amount of stuff going on there and I I, I just thought man if I lived here I would be here uh, quite often I think yeah I've been in there actually I a few years ago I went to uh, listen to one of the American diplomats did um, a talk that but that was probably the last time I went in there but it's an absolute it's a great resource for sure and okay if you are picturing your very favorite spot to be in Nuremberg, where is your very favorite spot to just sit and visit, spend time? Well, that would probably be up in Albert Platz for sure. Because I'm very happy to sit there with my camera and just be patient and wait for that great picture to present itself. So um, I'm very happy sitting there um, either alone or with my husband and sitting there and taking pictures and watching people. Lovely. And if someone has gotten this far in and they're not convinced, first off, they're wrong. But second <laughs> off, how would you convince them? What's your elevator pitch for Nuremberg? My elevator pitch would be, is 
Nuremberg is not the first city that people think of when they think of Germany and visiting a German city. Um, but I think it's so much fun to get off that well-worn path and, and get off that path and see something a little bit different. It's a city that you can see in a weekend and still have time to explore the hidden corners of the city. So that's why I love it so much because I kind of feel like it's my city, even though it's not. I'm not German. I'm not from Nuremberg, but I really feel like I know the city so well because I've gotten to explore all those hidden corners that you might not necessarily get to do if you are in Berlin or in Munich. Um, in one weekend, you can really get to know the city. And if you carry your, your camera with you, like I do, you will not be disappointed when you when you start probing those hidden corners and, and alleyways. You will walk away with beautiful photos and beautiful memories. That is beautiful. And also, my dad listens to all the episodes. And I know he's going to hear you say those words and be like, on our list, we're gonna have to go to Nuremberg. <laughs> oh, that's I think, awesome. yeah, he wasn't already sold, which I think he was. I think that little pitch right there. So cool. Your dad. <laughs> well, if he take is he a photographer? He, he likes to play around when, especially when he's traveling. Awesome. Um, I don't think he would self-identify as a photographer, but I can say that for him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't either, but yes. Well, if he's listening, he can absolutely get in touch on Instagram and we will just meet up in Nuremberg and take some great photos together. That would be awesome. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. So those are the end of the questions that I've told you ahead of time. And now for the ones that you have to answer on the spot, <laughs> this is the back, back, back. This is the rapid fire question round. I'm going to ask you three questions that you're going to answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Okay. Are you ready? Well, I'm psyching myself up. <laughs> what was the last movie that you watched and loved? Oh, Little Women, probably. It was so beautifully done. And it was such a modern take on an old classic. And I've, I've, I've watched it a couple times already now with my daughters. If you weren't to live in Nuremberg, what other German city would you want to move to? Oh, good question. Um, I love Bavaria. I know there's it's conservative and it's traditional, but I love I love so many parts of that. So I don't know. It might be fun to live in Munich and live in a real big city for a change and experience city living. Um, so maybe I'd say Munich. Finally, if you could get a lifetime supply of one grocery store item, what would it be? What would you choose? Peanut butter. I love Hellman's mayonnaise. They're such boring answers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and cheese, probably. And wine. Yeah, that's an awful combination. Do not put those together. <laughs> <laughs> All at once. All you need. Great. <laughs> All right. And you mentioned earlier that you love photography, that you have an Instagram. So where can people find you? Where can they connect and, and follow along? Okay. You can find me on Church Bells and Bicycles on Instagram. And I came up with this when I went back to the States and I was thinking about the things I missed the most. And I missed the sound of church bells during the day. And I missed living in a culture where people rode their bikes all the time. And I tend to take lots of pictures of bicycles. So you can find me on Instagram um, at church bells and bicycles. Thank you so much for coming on, telling us all about Nuremberg and Franconia and, and all of that and more. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. There's so much more to, to delve into there, but um, I hope that's enough of a teaser to get you to come back. Thanks again to Shannon for coming on to the show and sharing all these great tips. 
As said, Shannon has shared pictures as a highlight on her Instagram, so head on over to Church Bells and Bicycles. You can also find me on Instagram at The Expat Cast, and I'm also on Twitter, also at The Expat Cast. I am forever grateful for every rating and review that this podcast gets. I am a DIY podcaster who does this in my free time amongst a full-time job while still trying to maintain my hobbies and my friendships. So it's a lot of work. It's a lot to do. And I run into my limits sometimes. There's some stuff I just can't do for the show, like learn how audio equipment works. I promise I'm on it. It's going to be better next episode. But the point being, one thing that you can do for me is rate, review, and even share the show with a friend. I want to thank, as always, Amy Lungi Art for the logo and Side Hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. I'll be back in your feeds on Thursday, and until then, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay cool, stay happy, stay all of the great positive things. <laughs> until then, fist on, choose.